A little bouncer slowly toward Bryant. He will glove it and throw to Rizzo. It's in time. And the Chicago Cubs win the World Series. I remember running home from school, turning on the TV to the Cubs game, sitting with my dad to watch his heroes. Welcome to the World Series Greetings of Cubs Dreamcast, now hanging out with Obstructive View. We are not affiliated with the actual Chicago Cubs, but we're just a bunch of fans who love the local night and talk to baseball, including the 2016 World Series champion Cubs. Good day, this again with me is Jeff from Obstructive View. Welcome, Jeff. How are you doing? Doing good. How are you doing? I am well surviving, waiting for the Cubs to decide whether to finally make a deal. But they, they have made some deals. That, that's a good thing, particularly one high-profile deal in Shelta Emanaga, a left-handed pitcher, a new reliever in Hector Neris, traded for some folks. Still waiting on Bellinger. There, there's a lot of things that we could talk about. Just a lot of stray thoughts about MLB and what's going to happen. So, thought we talk about that. And uh, yeah, first of all, what what do you think of the football? Uh, I think it should be a good, uh, good Super Bowl. Like on the one hand, I wish the Packers had beaten the 49ers, but like they so vastly exceeded my expectations this year. Sorry, Bears fans, that I can't really complain. <laughs> Yeah, they they had uh, the Niners on the ropes, and so did the Lions for a bit. But uh, both times, the 49ers either adjusted or the other team collapsed. I don't really know. I guess it's a little of both. But thought Detroit was really going to do it, and then they just kind of stopped scoring. <laughs> I, I do like that uh, people on Detroit really go for it on fourth down, because I, I am a very anti-punt. I, I think that's not very exciting unless... Yeah, like a Devin Hester on the other team. Yeah, I love it too. I mean, it's, it's just the whole motivation too. He's not like the analytics guy. He's just like, I, I trust my dudes and I have faith in them. And that's most of his argument for why he does it so much, or at least that's what he uh, projects to the outside world in this team, which I kind of kind of like it. But you should, you should want to try to keep the ball. I'm trying to think about who's going to win. And I really don't know, like, you know, single eliminations, basically anybody's game, whoever decides to play well. Is probably going to win, or maybe they'll both play well and they'll come down to the final play. Those are always fun. Like those uh, fifty-five to ten games are not very fun. I, I feel like the 49ers have a good chance to win, but also you know the Chiefs have Taylor Swift on their side because yeah, it should like, be fun. I mean, like I don't, I don't know why like people are grumbling about you know the Chiefs have been in the Super Bowl too many times, and I'm like I don't know. I like I like Mahomes. I like Andy Reid. You know, you could also root for them uh, instantly breaking any records that Belichick has set. So <laughs> that's as good a reason as any it's, to, uh, to root for them. It's a very good organization. I mean, what can you do? They, they're a very well-run team. And the guys who built that team are still around and still doing well. So that's kind of what you deal with. <laughs> Sometimes you, you ride the good luck. But this is actually a baseball podcast. Uh, I, I think... <laughs> We will release this sometime before the Pro Bowl. And then if something silly happens, like over the next couple of days, like the Cubs finally signed Cody Bellinger, 
uh, we might do an emergency pod, but I don't think that's going to happen because they're they're playing a ginormous game of chicken and nobody's blinking. But yeah, let's let's switch back to baseball. How's that for a plan, sir? I love this plan. I'm excited to be a part of it. Let's do it. Sounds good. All right, so you you wrote this up, and I really appreciate that. But what, walk me through how this Shota Imanaga contract is going, because there's like basically two years guaranteed, and then it like diverges wildly from there, depending on what you roll <laughs> on the on the D twenty. Yeah, the guaranteed money is two. Well, yeah, calling it guaranteed money is complicated either. So the first two years aren't gonna aren't gonna change. It's gonna be first two years, two years, twenty three million dollars. Then after that, things get weirder. So like if the Cubs want to extend him under the contract option, they exercise an option of the contract and turn it into a five year, eighty million dollar contract. If they don't decide to do that, Imanaga could decide to become a free agent. And then the Cubs would know anything more, or they could both not pick up the option, and then he'd play for another year for like 15 million. After year three, it's basically the same deal. The Cubs could bump it up to a, a total of five years at 80 million. They don't do that. Imanaga can leave, or if neither of them do anything, then it stays as a four-year, 53 million dollar contract. <laughs> so lots, 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 lots of if statements. It's it's a contract only a, a programmer can love. Yeah, the if logic loops and stuff. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it looks like a like a bell curve. You know the way the money's stacked up. Like usually, it's either front loaded or back loaded, but it's like bell loaded because he, he he gets big money in year three and four, and then year five it drops down again or something. It, it's kind of goofy. It's like a roller coaster. Basically, uh, what what the description of this contract is, it is a roller coaster. But yeah, you're paying far less than Yamamoto would have made. Just to be perfectly honest, I would have preferred that the Cubs gotten, you know, Shohei Otani and Yoshinobu Yamamoto, but uh, they wanted to be Dodgers, so there's nothing we can do about that. But this is a pretty decent pride, and I think uh, he, he's considered like the 10th best free agent by MLB trade rumors. So it's not like he's small fry or anything. It's, he's in the same boat. Like he's a little older, and he also hasn't pitched in Major League Baseball. But obviously, they know something we don't. And their skills in international competition, including the World Baseball Classic, suggest that they can hold their own pretty well against Major League hitting. So I, I feel pretty confident about this. And it also now now you have a good top four. You have Steele. You have Imanaga, you have Hendricks, and you have Tayo, who you hope hasn't, will not turn back into a pumpkin. He, he's still good from the second half from, from last year. So then it's just a matter of who's going to be starter number five. And really, there are a lot of options for, for this. And if you have a good top four, and the fifth guy is coming from like a position of depth. Now you hand it off to the bullpen, and the bullpen, you, you already know as a strong foundation, and they just act, added Hector Neris. Uh, not officially yet. I, I think they have to DFA or trade somebody first. But uh, he, he's 
basically changed all his profile pictures to Chicago. So it's pretty official, right? <laughs> so, social media makes it official. Just, just, just as much as if someone removes all references to their team from social yeah. media. <laughs> and they also traded for a first baseman, uh, Michael Bush. Pretty much the first time I heard of him was when they traded for him. It was like, uh, who's this guy? Oh, he used to be one of the top prospects in the Dodgers system, which we never pay attention to because we're not Dodgers fans. But it's pretty interesting, right? Because uh, he's blocked every which way on the Dodgers super team. And now that he's on the Cubs, he basically slots in as the starting first baseman, even ahead of a Matt Mervis who struggled last year. But it, it kind of gives them a lot of uh, cushion against having to re-sign Cody Bellinger. And we're, we're not going to split hairs or anything. We want to get Cody Bellinger back because he, he checks a lot of boxes. He's good bats. He might not be as good last year. He's definitely hard-pressed to be as good as his MVP year, but it is a bat. It's a left-handed bat with power, and he can play elite defense. So, yeah, get him back. But if you don't get him back, you still have Adams, Hero, Nick Madrigal at, at third base, and you have Michael Bush at uh, first base. So right now, the Cubs are like projected to win about 81 or so games. And I know Brett at Beat Pleasure Nation, or maybe it was Michael, uh, wrote up that uh, one of the DraftKings sites said that the Cubs are the odds-on favorite to win the division. And I don't want to put all my eggs in one basket. I feel like this team could definitely add more, and they should. Like, this is a very winnable division, and they need to just keep adding. Yeah, I agree. Like, I don't, I'm really excited about what any of the other teams in the division have done past offseason. I mean, I don't think the Cardinals' devil magic slump is going to continue another year, but I also don't think they're that good either, even with all their, like, mediocre starting pitcher additions. And the Reds had a weird offseason, like, signing a bunch of infielders when they have a bunch of young infielders. <laughs> I, I feel like the Reds and the Pirates have a chance to surprise if their prospect depth propels them, you know, because they, they have good young players. The owner of the Pirates actually came out of the woodwork and said something about, yeah, at some point we're going to add. And I'm like, well, I'll believe it when I see it. But well, I mean, they, they signed, uh, something. <laughs> signed a roll to Chapman for like a, to like an eight-figure deal. And that's got to be like a third of their payroll on a yeah. seventh-inning reliever. <laughs> and he, he wasn't really that good over the past couple of years, but he is serviceable. He still throws like 100 plus miles an hour. So it, it's a useful arm. It's just not like a spectacular arm like he used to be. Yeah, it just seems like a very weird decision. I mean, I, I assume they're just going to flip him with the deadline, which is why they signed him. But still, it seems like a kind of weird decision. So Matt Chapman is the only other position player out there that's in, I guess, the just under elite tier. There's a chance that they go for him. I, I feel like the, the priority is still Bellinger, though, and that's basically what all the talking heads are saying. All the media sites, all the bloggers, they're just waiting each other out. And at some point, hopefully before players have to report to camp, they're going to sign them. Are you looking yeah. to repeat the, uh, the Dexter Fowler signing, I guess, maybe? Have him just show up in spring training? <laughs> I mean, they might as well, you know. That turned out, that year turned out pretty well. Some fun hashtag uh, content too. They know that this is the last viable place for him to go. Like the Blue Jays just signed Justin Turner. The Angels are crazy. 
but I feel like they're not going to just blow the bank for the various pitchers like Montgomery and Snell and Bellinger and Chapman. It's like they're running out of destinations to shop him around because there's only so many roster spots and so many needs and so many dollars going around, even though these people have more money than I will, will ever see. All roads point to Cubs. Well, there, there's one other team that's not spending any money that could use some more guys, which is the Orioles, who now have a new owner. Maybe, maybe it would be too soon for them to sign any big deals, but they might be back into play to sign Bellinger. I don't think they will. I think they're they're good as a position player group, but what they do need is pitching. So I can almost see them going after one one of the big big pitchers because that was their deal in the postseason, right? Like they just forgot how to pitch because whoever was left after everybody got hurt just couldn't do it. They couldn't eat the innings. So that's why they got swept. So I, I feel like they they wouldn't actually go after the position players. They would just go after pitching. Oh, you've exposed to how little I know about the American League. <laughs> no, I, I don't pay that much attention either. It's been a while. But that, that's kind of what I'm thinking is like they do need pitching. Oh, no, you're totally right. No, the White Sox are trying to extort the city into like stadium money again. I think they're trying to move this whole parcel of land. I know exactly where that land is, though. It's like right just south of the Target that we used to go to all the time on Roosevelt. And there's like a bunch of shops and residences around that. So I, I feel like the neighbors might have something to say about it. But at the same time, they, they could just buy up enough council people to approve it. <laughs> there's really nothing the, the neighborhood can do about that. But it yeah, just makes no sense. Ryan Starr's been around long enough that he knows where more bodies are buried in, uh, in Chicago. Uh-huh. They won't have to hire yeah. a, a Julian Green type to grease the wheels with all the older people. Though then again, people at people at Wrigleyville still seem surprised that there's a uh, baseball stadium in the neighborhood. Beautiful and historic, but it's still like a noisemaker when you want to just go to sleep on a Friday night because you're old. I don't know that it's viable for them to try to move out of where they've been for like the past hundred years, even though they have new ballpark. That ballpark isn't that old, and it's actually pretty functional it's clean it's like big it's usable you know and it seems like a waste to build another one so soon after that one i I guess rich people don't care so much about waste they just want to have new avenues to make new money and that's really (laughs) what a ballpark does just makes you money and all the better right if you don't have to pay for it yourself because the city's going to pay for it because they don't want to lose a historic franchise but then again, you, you have the, the A's who haven't even like shown a rendering of their new stadium yet. So I, I think they're, they're, they might be in even more trouble than uh, any other team because they're slated to move their lease at the Coliseum like runs out next year. They're trying to figure out, can we share the stadium with the Giants across the Bay? Can we go to Sacramento, which is a minor league ballpark, or even play in Vegas in their ballpark? It's like, there was no plan. It was basically, let's move to Vegas and extort people for money. And now that we have the money, like we actually have to have a plan now. I'm surprised they haven't tried to go the route that the, uh, the Expos did for a while and play in uh, the tiny stadium in Puerto Rico. That, that's a bit of travel for the for the West Division teams, though, I guess. Oh, I guess that's a good point. A lot of teams would be up in arms about that, like not just having to play the A's and stadium where you're not going to get as many much revenue but also having to travel that far 
Right. Or at least play a few games there. Maybe not make it their home stadium. Maybe we'll yeah. just like barnstorm for the year. <laughs> yeah. Like I know the, the Dodgers and Padres are basically playing in Korea right before the season starts and then flying back to get their clocks reset before they play some more, right? International games do happen. It's just like really, really, really hard. To I feel like the, the, the Cubs did that a, a, a while ago, like in the Santo days, if I remember right. They played some games in Japan that were like okay. pre-season season games. Oh, they did. Okay. So they weren't just exhibition games. They were actual, like, uh, let's build our markets in Japan type regular season games. I didn't know I if those were. Maybe, maybe there, were, there were other games recently. Maybe the Cardinals played a few games with the Giants, did a few mm-hmm. early games in Japan, but some first similar things. I do remember the Cubs did play oh, in Japan, but I can't, I can't remember if they were official games or not. No, they, they had a few. Like, there, there was at least one series in Japan. I don't remember which year, but they did one in Australia, and that's an even further flight. So that was pretty crazy. And both those counted as regular season games. So it's not without precedent. It's just, again, you know, you, you have to commit to paying the players just a little bit more so that their their bodies get trashed on the plane and their circadian rhythms get all messed up. But, <laughs> yeah, it, it, it will happen because they're, they're trying to globalize this thing. I don't think the, the A's plan that far ahead. So you're you're giving them a little too much credit there. <laughs> or the A's planned at all. <laughs> no, the, the plan was like Nevada will give us money and now we'll just stall. <laughs> so I, I, I don't really know what their, their plan is anymore. I know that, that there's some land probably set aside. There, there was some words said at the Nevada City Council or Vegas City Council to say, Oh yeah, we'll totally rope some some tourists in and stuff, right? And I'm just thinking to myself, like a lot of baseball players, active MLB players have said this: if you're going to Vegas, you're not really going for a baseball team. The people who live in Vegas are kind of transplants, so they probably have no allegiance to whatever team is coming in. I think it'd be different too if it were new teams. I I, I think the uh, the Golden Knights. Had, I mean, not just for the on the ice perspective, but I think from a fan base perspective, I think that the hockey team they have there has been doing pretty well. But I think they were a new yeah. franchise. It's it's a lot different if you're having another transplant franchise no, coming they, in. They, you know, they were for sure an expansion team, yeah, and they they're very well run too. So that's yeah. that's the other thing. That also like helps being well run. <laughs> <laughs> it was like two Stanley Cups in four years, and they they actually won uh, uh, not too long ago. So it's like yeah, I know they won at least one. That, that is a success right there. No, they they went the first time and they lost, but then they won very recently. I, I just forgot it was last year or two years ago because I, I haven't followed hockey in a while. <laughs> but uh, yeah, and also time is a flat circle. I mean, one year ago could have been five years ago. <laughs> with, it with the feels like it because there's been little or nothing that's that's happened to the Cubs. Like you know, we were excited. Oh yeah, Hector Neresan, yay! You know, but it's a reliever, like. How are you going to fix this corner infield power problem? How are you going to make sure that the lineup is, our, I guess, our favorite word is cromulence. Yes. Uh, like, uh, it's it's not just five deep, it's seven, eight, nine deep, right? And you can't rely on Nick Madrigal. So maybe sign a third baseman. Maybe you just throw that money at Matt Chapman and give up the traffic. But uh, it, not, nothing's happened yet. And 
it's like the collective teams are happy to wait out the free agents. And it does smell of collusion, but at the same time, there, there's this whole TV deal thing where the RSNs have basically declared bankruptcy. Yeah, no, no one has any money idea how has, much money they're going to get. Yeah. Yeah, the steady flow of money has stopped. The Rangers are part of this RSN thing. I think they're either one of the teams that MLB is going to do back up or they're one of the teams that got absorbed in the Amazon Prime deal. Either way, they're getting some kind of money. And they also have the World Series money that, that was coming in because they finally won the World Series, right? The only thing they really did was make a trade and, and pick up some extra money. But there's very little being done across the league other than the Dodgers who like just threw a billion dollars at the two Japanese players, right? But the rest of the MLB has been kind of slow. And I think part of it is just this is a very weak free agent class. And nobody wants to really give up prospects. And yeah, there was a trade for a Blanco to Seattle just, just a little bit ago. And Minnesota made up pretty well with, with their end of the trade. Seattle got a good hitting uh, infielder. But those, yeah, none, of those of none of those guys seem super part. exciting. It was like a double salary dump for what I remember. Yeah, <laughs> it, it was. It was money changed hands in a way. But the two, two teams still got what they needed. And I, I think that's a very rare for a trade. Like, I, I feel like in every trade, you can definitely see a side that won and a side that lost. And in this case, you have a trade that you just really like for both sides. So I really like that trade for both sides. I think you you probably have the same same idea, right? Like, it's been super boring. And I, I think there are a number of reasons for that. But I, I think chief among them is just we, we don't have as much confirmed money flowing to the teams, and we also have a free agent class that's kind of meh, other than the guys that have already signed. So, well, even it, Bell- even, I mean, Bellinger is exciting, but like, I don't like when they when they put up that uh, it'll be Travier. We're talking about what Boris is looking for, but whatever number, like that 200 million plus that Trader was predicted for, it just, it just seemed like such a ridiculous number. I mean, he's a good player, but like, he's, he's, no, they, he's got holes, right? <laughs> they definitely overdid. I don't know yeah. if he's going to get the $200 million contract. I feel like they gave him, say, the Hayward contract. Maybe that's satisfactory, even though, you know, Hayward's contract would have been worth more because he didn't have to deal with today's inflation. But you know what I mean, right? Yeah. You're, you're just kind of looking at the number. And first of all, he has to beat Brendan Nimmo. So that means anything over, like, I'd say, $165 million. He's younger. He can play two positions at a pretty elite level, and he has a good bet. And he was a former MVP. So it's kind of like there's a lot to like, but at the same time, because of the way the market's shaking out, he's not going to get that money. And if he waits too long now, it's like halfway into spring training. And even though he lives in Arizona and work out wherever, and you know, maybe. Scott Boris sets up a camp for guys that he can't get signed because they're waiting too long or something. It, it's still disruptive. So I feel like probably closer to Valentine's Day when uh, when they all report to camp, we might see some news. But uh, yeah, everybody's just saying, yeah, he'll eventually sign, but we just don't know when. And I, I don't know that there's a number that they're both happy with and how willing they are to just wait because like obviously he got paid a lot last year 
so he's not hurting for money. But it's just not fun <laughs> for those of us watching from the outside. It's like there's no news. There, there's nothing to follow. Give us content, you know? Yeah, the stove is pretty cold. <laughs> I want light as out. As the spring gave away to summer, past the ivy-colored dreams, toward the days that kept us yearning for tomorrow. I guess the next things that we have to look forward to before training, like the Cubs have no arbitration deals to take before the board, so they don't need to deal with that. So they can really just focus on trades and, and free agency if they choose to. They're, they're just patient to the point of annoyance. <laughs> I, I think uh, for me, it's like I'm not panicking or anything. I think this team is probably fine for the division that they're in. Manager that they hired, Trey Council, is obviously the best of the best. Otherwise, they wouldn't have paid them all that money, or unless he really like pulled one over on old Jed, you know. But good for him; he got paid, right? They they should win some games. Just like you, you really want to have players that excite you, and they do have those. But I I just want more, <laughs> and I think that we are will we will see more. I feel pretty good about them in general. I mean, they could use one more bat, but I'm not like. Like, we need to sign them now, aside from it would be nice to have something more to talk about. <laughs> yeah, because, like, everybody, the, the press, the bloggers, everybody, they're just hurting content. It's hard to generate content when the entity that's supposed to make the news makes no news, right? We we can follow the O's sale. It's a hey, really cool Well, I'll spring trading soon, that. and we'll get excited for that for two days, yeah. and then remember that spring training is boring, and... Wait for the regular season to start. <laughs> right. And I think like at some point they'll tell us who all those non-roster invitees are. They're, they've been signing like a lot of pitchers to minor league deals, including guys at the pro day at driveline. So there are a few cool arms that could potentially snag a roster spot. The roster is full right now. So it seems like they need to clear out some space at some point. Because they got to have room to put the people they theoretically are going to sign. So I feel like there's still going to be trades happening before guys report to camp. So we have this like critical two-week period before February 14th when pitchers and pitchers report. I think that's where the news is going to hit. But you don't know if uh, Jed Hoyer and Scott Boris are just going to keep running right at each other in their game of chicken, right? So it's like, Maybe it extends into March or April. And if it gets into the April, you've gone past opening day. So that's kind of ridiculous. At some point, somebody's going to blink. And it's just a matter of who. Yeah, I mean, I'm still cautiously optimistic that that Bellinger will be back. I don't think they'll sign Chapman or certainly not Blake Snell. I hope not. He's such so painful to watch. We still have the three big free agents who are left. Unless I'm forgetting someone. Well, uh, I was kind of advocating for Jordan Montgomery just because he doesn't have a qualifying offer attached to him. That would definitely put them over the luxury tax threshold. The thing I was arguing is is that, hey, you know, you can pass it, but a lot of contracts are coming off the books next year, so you have a lot of money freed up, and the luxury tax threshold is going up every year of the CBA. That's going at, least to the, at least for the time being, too, it's just money. Like once they start losing draft picks, then I'll be more concerned. Not not that I have a particularly high opinion of uh, prospects, but 
If it's just money, yeah. who cares? Steve Cohen style. <laughs> the Ricketts can afford it or should afford it. Theoretically, have enough money. It's just a matter of whether they want to spend it on that and not like whatever it is they're doing outside of baseball. And we'll leave it at that. The Hall of Fame announcements happened while we were away. Yet three that went in, Adrian Beltre, which everybody pretty much figured what happened. We got Helton, which was eventually going to happen. We just didn't think it was going to be this year. And then Maurer was kind of a surprise first ballot Hall of Famer. He was going to get in eventually anyway. And I guess if Maurer gets in, does that pave the way or make it easier for guys like Buster Posey and Yadier Molina to get in? I, I think so. They, they definitely have a claim to fame on their part, right? Yeah, I mean, I would have assumed that both of them were better locks than Joe Maurer. Feel pretty good because Yachty's so annoying. But I'd already resigned the fact that uh, that Yachty was going to get in. <laughs> do you think he gets in first ballots, or do you think they make him wait a couple of years because a, a bunch of people are kind of like us and is like, eh. but at the I same time, I, you, like, you recognize. Like, if this were, like, the 2005 electorate, I think he'd be first ballot. Now, now I'm not as sure. But at the same time, like, like defensive. I mean, we maybe don't necessarily have catcher defensive numbers in all the years he played, but there's definitely been a greater uh, quantitative appreciation for defensive catchers over the past 10 years or so that I think also helps his cause with the, the more stat-oriented voters. Like, a lot of the time, the Hall of Fame credentials are in the back. But he's had his fair share of very annoying hits, uh, let's just say. And <laughs> he obviously has a defensive op, uh, reputation. So I feel like if it's not first ballot, he's getting in second or third ballot. Ozzy is probably a first balloter. And then next year, that's year 10 for Billy Wagner. And he was very, very close. So I think he, he's going to, to jump the threshold and he'll get in. Uh, each hero will probably get in. CC Sabathia, I don't know because first ballot. No, no. He eventually gets in, uh, and then Ichiro is going to be a first ballot. I mean, I hope he's as unanimous as Rivera was. Like, there are a few people more deserving the Hall of Fame. <laughs> yeah, because yeah, Jeter and Griffey, I think, missed unanimous uh, voting by like a vote each. And well, I, think, I think in their cases, there. at least what I remember, it was it was for people leaving them off because they knew they would get in so they could vote for other people. I guess it's kind of a silly system, but I also yeah. feel like, I don't disagree you know, there. <laughs> you know, Beltre was 95 percent, which is good, but he, he should have been unanimous, in my opinion. But I, there, there's a lot of politics and silliness and like, oh, look at me. I'm, I'm special kind of ballots. Right. Yeah. Uh, after Ichiro and Cece and Billy Wagner, I don't actually know who, who else is worthwhile to vote for. Now that Sheffield's off the ballot, there's Manny, Manny and A-Rod. I think a lot of people don't appreciate Mark Burley as much. I, I don't think he has a lot of health stats, but he's obviously a very solid pitcher. Yeah, he's, he's a he's a great uh, all a very good guy. Yeah. And then there's the two Phillies and Chase Utley and Jimmy Rollins. I don't think Rollins is going to get in, but Utley might. Utley got a lot of votes this past year. Oh, yeah. 
I like I like. So, so he, he probably goes to the BGO Bagwell path, where it's like, yeah, you're not gonna get in first, but then we kind of think about it, and okay, fine, you're in. <laughs> this should be a very fun Hall of Fame speech season. That there's three of them, including the I, I guess one of the most fun players of all time in Beltre. I could spout off about the Hall of Fame, but mostly now that Sano and Pat Hughes are in, I don't really care. <laughs> yeah. yeah, for sure. I, I, think, I know that's uh, not good for, for hashtag content, but... No, a lot of people, it's not just you, a lot of people have been kind of like jaded by Hall of Fame voting because it's just like a lot of writers throwing themselves out into into the open and saying like, this is my my philosophy and I'm but is it, I'm preaching to you what my my philosophy and look at me so and stuff like that and also the steroid guys. I mean, if you're you gonna know, take you, a stand on the ster- if you're gonna take a stand on the steroid guys, I mean, fine, but then don't put Bud Selig in the Hall of Fame. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like they they have to take a stand. I, I think like they should just move the asterisk ball to put it in the Hall of Fame in, in a special wing with like a needle on it or something, and just call it a day. Like they are part of history. You you have to acknowledge it. So it's not yeah. like they, they can just ignore it, you know? I, I feel like eventually, maybe long after they're dead, guys like, you know, Sammy Sosa and Barry Bonds and A-Rod are going to get in, but it's going to be rough. And I, I'm trying to think, like, the rule is that while he's still alive, Pete Rose can't be voted in. But once he's dead, do they just kind of put them in and say, yeah, this guy bet on baseball. He was really good, but nobody voted him in. Like, how's that work? I didn't even consider whether a lifetime ban would count for posthumous induction. Uh, I would just assumed that it would be for always, like even after he died, I assumed he would be he wouldn't be in. But I, I never considered yeah. that. Yeah, it's something that I guess I could look up to see if lifetime means the lifetime of Pete Rose or the lifetime of the known universe. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> lifetime of the Hall of Fame. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, uh, before it gets swallowed by some super volcano or something. <laughs> well, I don't know. I mean, but, te- yeah. technically, technically, the Hall of Fame separate from baseball, so you know they make their own decision. He's banned from baseball for life, but but the Hall of Fame is respecting that because I I think the the commissioner actually banned him from baseball and from consideration to the Hall of Fame because he he doesn't show up on any ballots either, right? Yeah, but he's also past the whatever threshold to to be on a ballot at this point. Oh yeah. No, he, no, he's think, definitely like he would have gotten in had he not bet on baseball, right? So it's oh, yeah. just a matter of like what they decide and whether like a future commissioner like decides to rescind a ban or whatever. But, yeah, uh, but it would yeah. still be up to it would still be up to the Hall of Fame to decide whether they agree with that or not. I don't think the commissioner directly has that power. Hmm. I don't know. This is this this is a. Weird counterfactual exercise. <laughs> yeah. Julius Joe never got in, right? Is nope. uh, he, he? Okay, so he's still out. And, uh, I guess that was the whole premise of Field of Dreams is like you, you know, he's been erased from history or whatever. Yeah, I guess like one, even long after you're dead, they they still remember. Baseball holds grudges, as they say. This is really, really hard to do do this without any actual news, but I, I think there's still plenty to be 
optimistic about the tests can still theoretically do a lot of stuff. And when they actually do that stuff, hopefully we'll get the gang back together and we'll be able to talk about it. So I, I think we can come back sometime after the Super Bowl, maybe on the eve of spring training and be excited about it. Uh, by that time, I'm thinking we'll, we'll know who the non-roster invitees are. We'll see like pictures of guys showing up. I think uh, Hendricks and, and some other pictures are already in camp. So it's it's like they're they're already getting ready to work. And uh, it's probably the guys who live in Arizona in the off season anyway. <laughs> yeah, gotta wonder if they they can allow Cody Bellinger on the premises if he's not officially signed. But I don't see why he can't walk around in the backfield and say hi to people while he's working out in you know in between workouts. So in the meantime, thank you all for listening. Uh, you can find us. At obstructiveview.net. That's your new home at Obstructive View. Thank Randall Sanders for pouring the final alcohol to World Series and Rich Deanna for a theme song. Any questions, we are at World Series Dream at gmail.com. And of course, you can just come find us at obstructiveview.net when we actually have time to talk about any news that decides to happen. Cubs, please sign somebody, trade for a lot of talent, and go Cubs. Go Cubs. It was more than just a game